Good day and welcome to Profiles here on your VOCM. Richard Duggan in with you today and on today's edition of the program where we are going to speak with MP Yvonne Jones and she joins me on the line now. First off, uh, I just want to ask about uh, uh, how you're doing. Uh, it was public knowledge that you know you were dealing with some health issues over the last little while, and uh, you successfully battled cancer for the second time. Um, how are you feeling these days? I'm doing great, Richard. Thank you for asking. It has been a, a difficult year, no doubt. Anyone who goes through any critical illness in their lives, um, you know, they know what that entails. It has been no different for me. Uh, but I'm one of the very lucky ones. I've been able to beat cancer twice with the support and guidance of my doctors, physicians, good treatment, early diagnostics. And uh, so I feel very fortunate at this uh, phase of my life, and I'm happy to be back to work. As a public figure, do you get many people reach out to you to talk about their own cancer journeys? Absolutely, all the time, and I actually encourage it. Um, you know, one of the things I've learned in my journey uh, with cancer and making my way back to good health is is that learning from those who've already went through it, um, you know, the inspiration that you draw from their stories of uh, courage and determination is so important. Uh, but also, they understand a little bit better what the journey is all about. Um, so when people that are being diagnosed are going through it, um, I'll often reach out to them and, uh, you know, provide words of encouragement and support and just let them know that I'm happy to talk to them and if that's helpful at all. And sometimes all we really need is, um, you know, someone to, to talk with who's already been on that journey and uh, you know and from that we can draw strength ourselves and uh, so it's worked for me and I certainly appreciate all the people who have been very open in telling their stories and very encouraging um, in supporting me to uh, to good health. And I think it must be nice too to be able to spread the message that you can come out on the other side. Absolutely. I mean, obviously, we never underestimate the, you know, the significance of cancer and what that means. Um, however, you know, there are certain cancers that are less invasive uh, and easier to uh, to tackle. I've I've been fortunate because breast cancer is one of those diagnoses. Uh, but the key to any cancer is being diagnosed early, and in both cases, I had early diagnosis, and and the treatment plans were very effective. So what I want to do always in my life is to encourage people to be the leaders of their own health, to make sure that women get, um, you know, mammograms, that they get um, well woman checks, um, that men get prostate checks. But overall health is very, very important that you monitor what's happening to changes in your body and and uh, changes that you're going through and make sure that you're addressing those early on and not continuing to, to put it off. So I think that any doctor will tell you that the key to beating cancer is early diagnosis and treatment. Now, Yvonne, let's take a step back here now a, a little bit and um, tell me a little bit about uh, where you grew up and sort of some of your memories from being a, a, a child. 
Well, I grew up in the coast of Labrador in a small community called Mary's Harbor. Of course, it was completely isolated. Uh, so I had very little access to the outside world until I left to go away to post-secondary school. Uh, but, you know, it was a wonderful upbringing because it, I was immersed in culture, um, you know, and I grew up in a family that was very loving family in a community that was very loving. And most people who've grown up in isolated communities or even in outport communities will tell you that, you know, it's not just a family that raises a child, it's a whole community. And so that was my experience at an early age. Obviously, we could never leave the community only by a coastal boat in summer and by an airplane that would land on the harbor ice in winter or in floats in the, in the summertime. So, you know, travel and exposure to the outside world was very limited, uh, mostly for me limited in where my father could get me in his in his boat or on his snow machine <laughs> in winter. So, but, you know, I never saw um, growing up in isolation as a barrier. Um, I always saw it as, an, as a, a different upbringing. And as I say, it was immersed in culture. So, you know, my family background, my, my father and grandfathers were fishermen. Uh, you know, my mother was a domestic worker, a crafter and sewer. So, and, you know, we learned, I learned to hunt at, a, at an early age. I was at a SEAL conference a couple of days ago. And I remember, you know, at 10 years old being on the, on the ice with my father when he was SEAL hunting, you know, and that was not an uncommon thing. So even today, I still hunt, I still fish. And my happiest place in the world is being on the land and immersed in the surroundings that I love. Today, I live in Happy Valley Goose Bay. It's my home, and I have a number of my family that live here, many friends, and I certainly love the life that Labrador offers. And uh, I, I can't ever imagine living anywhere else uh, for a long period of time. For me, you know, I'm I'm a townie, and I grew up in a much different uh, environment. But the 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 thought of of growing up in an isolated community always fascinated me in terms of the community. I guess that 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 really helps build people up. Well, you learn to support each other. You know, I remember when I was a young girl, and my father would go with the men in the community to cut logs and saw logs in the spring of the year to build a new community center or to build a new church. And, you know, it wasn't government money and programs that did these things back then. It was the sense of community and unity and a lot of hard work by many people. And uh, so that's the environment that I knew and became familiar with. And I also learned very early on that obstacles had to be overcome. You know, there was never going to be uh, easy solutions when you grow up in rural, isolated northern Canada. Um, and that you had to find your own solution. So resilience and innovation was bred into us in our entire lives. Um, for me, my mother was an Advent volunteer, and as children, we all had to volunteer. Everybody had to give back to the community. And in fact, uh, you know, I love telling these stories because uh, in the fall, um, I will publish my first book, uh, which will be a full 
document of my life in terms of what it was like to grow up in isolated northern Canada and what that experience have taught me and how it how it helped me get where I am today in the House of Commons of Canada. And and I guess for writing your own book too, what's it like to look because you know it, it's one thing to reminisce about memories and and to you know take that trip down memory lane but what's it like to i guess look back at your life from i guess an analytical point of view in terms of having to to put together this book and does it give you a, a bit of a different per, uh, perspective well it, it does uh there's no doubt about that uh, reflection is an interesting thing, um, and I've learned that in in the time I've spent in putting this book together and writing it. And yeah, I've also, even though I, I'm a journalist by trade, and that was my first profession, I've always had a passion for writing. But I've come to learn that I'm probably a much better storyteller than a writer, or at least a novel writer. Um, but so I, I think it will be interesting. But I also believe that. You know, no matter where we come from, we all have different experiences and adventures in our lives that teach us things. And whether those teachings come from tragedy or success, um, they they have an impact on who we are. They shape who we are, how we think, how we deal with situations that's in front of us. And I really believe that the, you know, the forced uh, innovation that I had as a child to find solutions, to be resilient in tough times, is what has helped me to grow and be the adult that I am today, but also to be the strong uh, advocate and very determined and committed politician that I've been for the people of Labrador. So you touched on it a little bit earlier, but tell me a little bit about about your family. Do you have a big family? I come from uh, a family of uh, two sisters and two brothers, and um, I lost my brother uh, a few years ago, and that was very difficult for me. In fact, it was probably the most difficult thing I ever dealt with in my life. Cancer has been very hard. Uh, but grief was harder uh, for me in many ways. Uh, and I do talk about that. And, um, you know, I think it's something everyone who's walked those paths can certainly attest to, the impact that it has on you, how it changes your focus, your priorities in life. And it certainly did that for me. Uh, but my family has been a very close family, very supportive of each other. Uh, we've always been that way. We still re- maintain very strong ties. Um, I had no children, but I was very fortunate to marry a man uh, just eight years ago who had four grown children. So today I'm a grandma of three beautiful grandchildren, which is no doubt the center of my entire universe. Uh, they're the most beautiful children that uh, uh, that you could ever hope to embrace. And I just see it, feel so fortunate that I can be a part of their lives and uh, and be a part of uh, my husband's family. Do you get to spend much time with family? Because I know being an MP up in Ottawa, that, that keeps you pretty busy. And I guess you're, you're always traveling in some way, shape, or form. But do, do you get much time to just sit back and, and uh, enjoy time with family? 
Well, you have to make time. It's it's like everyone who's in a very busy, demanding job. You know, it's all about the, the time you carve out and the space you carve out for people you love in your life. And I've always tried to do that. Uh, obviously, you know, the first 20 years of my career was entirely dedicated to my career. I didn't have family commitments. I was able to really tie myself to the job in a different way. Um, But obviously, anyone who goes into political life is a very demanding life. It takes a lot out of you. It demands a lot of you. Um, And it's really up to you how you create those boundaries and you make the time for things that are important in your life. And what I would say to anyone, whether you're new in politics or even considering getting in, you know, it's only you that can create the kind of time efficiencies and management that you need within your own life and within your own schedule. And I see remarkable politicians today who have children and families, and they can juggle both very effectively. And so that makes me so proud when I see especially young women uh, going into politics who have young families and see them be great moms and great supporters uh, of their family and still do remarkable work for the people they serve. And so I think that there's always a way that you can make things work um, that keeps everyone around you happy and content. It just requires a little bit more effort some days. We're speaking with MP Yvonne Jones on today's edition of Profiles on your VOCM. We're going to continue this conversation when we come back. And welcome back to Profiles here on your VOCM. My guest today is MP Yvonne Jones. And Yvonne, just before the break, uh, you had mentioned how um, before your life in politics, uh, you were a journalist. How did uh, that career aspiration come to be and sort of your journey from uh, from growing up into the, the career path uh, that you eventually chose? Well, I guess it all started from watching the television network. <laughs> Um, you know, when I grew up, um, I remember when we got our first television in uh, Mary's Harbor and we had a small black and white, I think it was like a 10 inch TV or something. We had one channel, it was CBC. And of course, you know, I grew up watching news anchors and reporters. And I was always enthralled with news and current events. And uh, probably because my mother worked with nearly every political campaign that came through the community over the years. And um, so I developed a a keen interest in in politics, but from a, a journalistic perspective. And like a lot of kids who grew up in those days in isolated communities, you know, our familiarity to careers extended to the environment in which we were in. So while a lot of people look to become teachers or nurses or um, police officers, you know, my direction led me to look towards journalism. And how do you get to be one of those, you know, very prominent anchors who sits and delivers the news or a reporter who's out there, you know, telling people about a, a hard weather storm and or sharing the story of a, of a family that you know, has been very uh, fortunate to overcome some major obstacles in their lives. And these were the kinds of things that drew me to the journalism area. And I ended up going to uh, study um, to do a diploma in journalism, uh, which I finished. And from there, I 
uh, work with uh, weekly community papers uh, in in the chain that I was with, and I worked out of Happy Valley Goose Bay, Lewisport uh, back in those days, and then I took a job with the Evening Telegram. But I always wanted to come back to Labrador, and it was not long after that I found that opportunity through Memorial University and the Labrador Institute of Studies. And I came back to Labrador and I did a series of oral histories on Labradorians uh, and documented it for the archives here. And it was a great project because I got to travel around and talk to so many elders and record and document their stories. Um, and, of course, I did the, um, a lot of research for the establishment of the Battle Harbor Historic Trust and Development Project. And so those were really interesting times for me because I got to learn so much about the history of Labrador, not just in the region I had come from, but all around Labrador. And, of course, uh, it was from there that I continued to move to different regions of Labrador and work with various government departments, mostly with Human Resources Canada. During the COD moratorium years, I became an employment and career counsellor with uh, with, uh, Human Resources Canada. And uh, that was a very difficult time. It was probably one of the most emotional jobs that I had ever held in my life because I was dealing with so many people that were going through the trauma of losing their job, losing their industry, um, you know, being displaced from from uh, a life that they knew very well um, and not knowing what the other options were going to be for them, what direction they were going to go in. So I was very young in my early 20s, but I... I certainly grasped the impact that it was having on many adults that were then in their mid-50s, some even towards 60, some uh, even a lot younger with children and families and how they're going to provide for them and, you know, how can they retrain and, and when many of them had not even finished high school. So I found that that to be one of the most difficult jobs emotionally for me uh, because many of those people I knew and if I didn't know them personally I could relate to them uh, because I knew so many that was in that situation and it was from my experience with the COD moratorium and working with Service Canada that I also realized that we could do a lot better in Labrador, in coastal Labrador. And we needed to just have, you know, the ear of government to be able to move forward and change the the dial, change the agenda, move in a different direction. And that's why I sought politics in 1996. And I was 27 years old at the time. I ran not because I thought I could win. I ran because I wanted to raise the profile of issues um, for Labradorians to ensure they had a voice. Um, And I guess I was probably more surprised than anyone when I won the election in 96 as an independent member. And, of course, I have never looked back since. I've, I've continued to work hard for Labradorians in the political arena, ensuring that uh, always with one goal in mind, and that is to make life better for the people who live here and ensure that future generations can have opportunities that I didn't have uh, and many others in Labrador. 
It's certainly a, a quite a transition. Did you find that it was uh, was it an easy transition for you to make when you when you entered politics? No, it wasn't actually. Um, you know, while I had lived in St. John's for a short time prior to that, I, you know, I hadn't really had a, a lot of experience in the city. I had relatively little experience in the House of Assembly. Uh, I only covered estimate committees and some other committees when I worked with the Telegram. So I had very limited exposure that way. But I was very much, as I said, interested in current affairs and political issues. And, you know, I had covered as a journalist many interviews on different politicians and different issues over time. So, you know, it wasn't an unfamiliar environment that way. Uh, But what was challenging for me was walking into the House of Assembly with no party support, um, no colleagues, just myself, and having to learn the ropes and uh, be able to stand on my own two feet and do the job I was sent there to do. And that was to represent the people of Southern Labrador at that time. So I remember being in the House of Assembly, and I think it was just a couple of days after um, the House reopened for the first time and sitting there and listening to some of the greatest orators that we've had in in our history in that in that place, like Chris Decker, for example, uh, people like John Efford, Beaton Talk, Chuck Fury. I mean, very seasoned, seasoned politicians, Brian Tobin and Paul Dix, you know, and these people had you know, had years of service under their belt. And I would listen to them and, you know, often I would have slurs thrown at me because I had beaten one of their colleagues in the Liberal Party and they were the government now. And uh, so after my first few days there, I said, you know, I'm not going to let these guys intimidate me. I'm going to stand up and I'm going to start talking because if I don't do it now, it's not going to happen. And I remember that day when I stood on my feet for the first time, the speaker recognized me and I started to talk to tell the story that I knew that the people of Labrador wanted me to tell. And I have never stopped since. Uh, we're just about a couple minutes away from the end of the program now, but uh, Yvonne, you know, at, at the beginning of the show, you you spoke about how you know you still enjoy uh, fishing and hunting. What what other sort of hobbies do you have? And you know, on your time when you're away from politics and away from all that, what are some of the things that uh, I guess you that that uh, you like to do in your spare time? Well, those that know me know me know that the happiest place I am is on the land. I have a, a small off-grid uh, cabin that I go to in the summertime, uh, where I love to fish out there and um, and just be be there on the land. I'm an avid snowmobiler. Um, just a couple of years ago, I snowmobiled from Goose Bay to Maine, return, which is like 1,400 kilometers. Um, you know, and I use every opportunity I can to get out and be adventurous in the winters in Labrador. Uh, but those are the things I enjoy the most. I enjoy having a good mug up in the woods, um, whether it's in the month of February or whether it's in October month. It doesn't matter. It's all beautiful opportunities and weather and a gorgeous environment to be in. I often feel like I'm the luckiest woman in the world because. During my nearly 20 years in provincial uh, politics and 
and working uh, uh, through things. I got the opportunity to spend time in St. John's, living there part-time for nearly 20 years and commuting back and forth to Labrador. And now the same in Ottawa. I get to continue to commute back and forth to Labrador to have my home here in Labrador. So I feel very fortunate that I've had the opportunity to do a job I've been very passionate about to represent some of the most amazing people in this country, the people of Labrador, and still be able to experience uh, the things I love right here at home. So it's, uh, I, I just feel I've been blessed in my life in so many ways, and the challenges I've had to face has not been any different than anyone else has had to face. So I've never looked at myself and said, why me? I've always looked at myself and said, how are we going to do with, deal with this and keep going? And uh, those who know me know I'm a very positive person. Uh, I am not a negative person, despite the fact I spent most of my career in opposition that I spent in government. Um, but I'm a very positive person, and I always see um, the brighter side of, of life and society. I see the good in people, and I also see that if you work hard, there's always rewards. And I really feel that the hard work and the sacrifices I've made it have come back to me tenfold uh, in so many ways. And that's a great place to leave it. Yvonne Jones, this has been a, a great chat. Thank you so much for your time today. Thank you, Richard. I wish you all the best. And there you have it, MP Yvonne Jones on today's edition of Profiles on your VOCM. Uh, thank you so much for tuning in, and we'll talk to you again next week.